This game is about Ben. This season, now, at this somewhat sickly stage, is about Ben. Let that resonate through the building on South Water Street. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Nobody who's listening to a program with this name could possibly need for me or anyone else to start waxing eloquent, or even less than eloquent, about what Ben Roethlisberger's meant to the franchise, what he's meant to the city. He is, in my estimation, one of the top 10 athletes our city has ever known. He is at least in the discussion for the greatest stealer of all time, although I will give that to mean Joe Green and not give it out to someone else without a really hard fight. But I think Ben makes it into the conversation as the greatest quarterback the franchise has had. And since quarterback is the most important position, dot, 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 you can carry that out however you'd like. And I know Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls to Ben's two. The differences between the two even attempting to account for eras, meaning that Ben was obviously playing at a time where passing was infinitely more prevalent than it was in the 1970s. Ben ends up with almost every advantage over Bradshaw, not least of which is longevity. And here again, you have to account for eras in that Bradshaw's career was ended by an elbow injury that today, you know, someone could have fixed and he could have kept playing. He did try to have it fixed by somebody and they ended up butchering it, but that's really getting off the track here. You know who Ben is. You know what Ben is. And now you know that there are only two games left, only one of which will be played at Heinz Field. And the first order of business as it relates to this game, is external. I'm not one who has made a habit throughout my 25-plus years of covering sports in this city of telling people what to do, that they should go to this game or shouldn't go to that game or boycott this or support that or boo this guy, cheer that guy. I don't do it. I don't do it. But I do feel quite comfortable in a role of someone who commentates on sports around here, saying that it would be one massively deep disappointment to see empty yellow seats there next Monday night or to see a bunch of Browns fans come down. Uh, Yeah, they're going to find a way to get their tickets. You know, they get on StubHub, too, in Cleveland. They have the Internet, I've been told. Yeah, I know. Things have really progressed there. Unlike this episode of Daily Shot of Steelers, huh? But they they have no way of overpopulating Heinz Field if Steelers fans are serious 
about taking advantage of their own tickets instead of giving them up and about showing up regardless of how far you live from Pittsburgh. And as I've mentioned many, many times on this show, more than half of the Steelers' season ticket base remarkably doesn't live anywhere near western Pennsylvania, let alone Pittsburgh. And a lot of them come a long ways. Well, this is the one to make it out to. People have complained, and rightly so, throughout this season about losing the Steelers' way, uh, about the lack of culture, and a lot of other intangible criticisms that have been very much deserved heaped upon Mike Tomlin and the players. But know and understand that part of the Steelers' way in the culture is you. And it is about how you show up for things like the Hall of Fame induction where everyone goes, well, it's going to be Pittsburgh's year and you know it's going to be a spectacular scene. And it was even, even in a COVID summer. Canton was overwhelmed with black and gold. Why? Because that's how Steelers Nation rolls. Well, that needs to happen next Monday or, or I will feel plenty comfortable, to use that term again, criticizing the lack thereof, because this isn't about the team being 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one or getting mopped up in their last four road games or anything like that. This is about something that's a lot bigger. This is an event you're going to remember regardless of the result because of what it meant to this particular individual and his place in football history around here. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Already, Already, the attention is being turned in that direction. No matter what Mike Tomlin says, people are going to talk about this being Ben's last home game. And they should. It came up yesterday uh, with Joe Hayden reminiscing about his early days in Cleveland having to face both Ben and Antonio Brown. It's arm strength, uh, confidence, and squeezing in the tight windows. Um, and then just being a gunslinger, honestly. So it was always, you never knew. If you even recovered, he could throw a back shoulder. He could make all of the throws. So just being prepared for everything. All the times where I was following AB, uh, playing against him back in the day from 2010 to, I would say, 14, you know, those were games where it was just sometimes he would be getting the best of me and I would have great coverage on him. And uh, he would still catch the ball, still score. And uh, it was just, it, it was very annoying. So that, that was the main thing with him and their relationship and him and him and AB going. Came up yesterday with Trey Turner too. Uh, I've just been able to appreciate his knowledge. And it's not even so much just about football, just the, just the knowledge that you gain, um, just being and living in a certain spotlight for so long. Um, just how to handle yourself when certain things come up and uh, how to hold yourself accountable. Um, I know uh, something else that I've learned from him is uh, he, he feels he's a dapper guy. 
he, he got us some uh, suits and sports coats and, and uh, shoes and tie for Christmas. So I know he thinks he's a dapper guy, so I do appreciate it for that. I wanted to make sure I put that out there. There's going to be a lot, lot more of it, not least of which is going to be from Ben himself, who's set to make his weekly session with reporters later today. The other people who have to come through here this coming Monday are the players. And I, I get that the emphasis is going to be on how team has to win both games to stay in, you know, mathematical playoff contention or whatever else here. But, you know, if I'm Tomlin or if I'm Cam Hayward or any of the other leaders on this team, I'm not taking that route. I'm really not. I'm making it about the quarterback. I'm making it about the event. I'm making it about the Monday night spectacle of the Steelers and the city of Pittsburgh having a chance for a great send-off for their quarterback. That's the way I'd go. Maybe I'd be wrong. Maybe I wouldn't have the right feel for the room or what it would take to be ready for an opponent that's coming in for the same blood that you should be going for because the Browns need this win every bit as mathematically as the Steelers do. But that's that's me. That's the feeling that I'd get because the funny thing about this football team over the recent weeks is that they've been, as I said, just awful, a disaster on the road. But they've been okay at home. They've been okay in front of their own fans. And anyone who was there for the Joe Hayden tackle to beat the Titans or was there when TJ disrupted the Lamar Jackson two-point conversion attempt knows that the crowd was a significant factor in both of those. And there I go again, right back to the crowd. Make this happen, Pittsburgh. Make this happen. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for just one question, and today's comes from Joe, who asks, from the minute... He was hired. I've been a Mike Tomlin guy. I believe Tomlin has too much power and is way too comfortable in his role. Does he even bother talking to Art Rooney or Kevin Colbert, or does he have carte blanche to do whatever he wants? Honestly, why is Colbert even here? There's a lot there to unpack, Joe, and I'm sure you knew that when you sent it. So I'm going to try to just pick off the one that you asked about the communication. Does he even bother talking to to Art or to Colbert? The answer is yes. It's an emphatic yes. The three of them are much more of a triumvirate when it comes to significant decisions than most people will realize. I think there's a vision or a perception in place that Art sits in some ivory tower and Kevin sits in a cubicle room communicating with scouts or evaluators and Tomlin's out there on the field, including the practice fields, doing everything. That's really not how it goes. Um, no, you're not going to get art involved whenever you need to replace your long snapper 
for a Sunday. But when it comes to decisions of real relevance, it's all three. And for that matter, it's also Omar Khan because Omar is going to have to be the one to figure out what can be afforded. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that you can describe this hierarchy and how they communicate, but the best one that I can come up with is conglomerate. They, they, they will sit in a room and hash something out. If it comes to it, Art is going to have the final word because, you know, he's the owner. But more often than not, it's going to be a matter of let's just discuss this. And you can get a glimpse of that yourself around draft time. You can see when Tomlin and Colbert are sitting next to each other, first for the pre-draft press conference, which is one of the best that they do all year, and then the post-draft press conference, which is the best that they do all year. They will take turns with the answers. They will come in and complete a thought that the other might not have. But you can hear from them that they are legit on the same page. And the only way that you arrive at that stage of any kind of relationship, working or otherwise, is because you've already hashed out any possible differences. You've already gone back and forth on what you might not have liked about the other person's opinion. So by the time they get to us in the press conference, it is, it is a uniform face and voice. And that's, that to me is a healthy dynamic. The part of this that I've been criticizing, the part that I don't like, is that Tomlin in particular has been allowed to make certain things okay and acceptable with the other two. And I am pointing more than anything at the hiring of assistant coaches. And I say that mostly because I can't even wrap my head around the idea of, let's say, Art or Kevin Colbert saying, you know what, this offensive line coach that we have down the hall, he's really something. He should be our guy. That's not something that either of those guys is going to be able to pound his fist on the table over. That has to come from the football guy on the field. And the fact that it's happened repeatedly with positional coaches and even coordinators, that has to be emanating from the head coach. And it's not okay. It's not okay. And that's the part, and I'm sure this is why you asked this question anyway, which is why I went here. That's the part that has to be addressed in some form or other. And that can only be done by Art Rooney. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow. Tomorrow.